Welcome inside episode 689 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains in the Ottawa Senators, battled back after falling behind early, but fell 4-3 in overtime in Dallas. And in the final game with the dads in attendance tomorrow afternoon on the road up against Nashville, you gotta win one for the dads. You gotta. We've got a full weekend preview. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Schützler, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Friday, December 9th. The show is free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to subscribe to the channel. The road to 5,000 continues. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Pilsy. Ah. <sighs> So close, but so far, hey, that's kind of the theme from last night. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good battle by the Ottawa Senators because Ross, you look at the game up against the LA Kings. They go down two nothing early, and they just flatten. They just deflate, and this game is well over. This time, however, they go down two nothing to the Stars. Tough goal for Anton Forsberg. That second goal. Thomas Shabbat mentioned it post-game. They could have done the same thing. They could have just deflated, said, well, here we go again, down 2 nothing, up against a tough Western Conference team. Let's just ride it out and go home. No, no, they battle back in this one, and they played two really good periods in the first and the second. They tied up in the first 2-2 and then play a hard second period, but ultimately they kind of get their foot off the gas a little in the third, and in overtime, Dallas clearly was the better team, and Tyler Sagan gets the winner all alone in front. They weren't the better team to start overtime, though. Ottawa did so well at controlling possession, really kind of frustrating the crowd, got a lot of boos, but then it seemed like right when the tide shifted, about two minutes in, after the first couple shifts, Dallas took over. Now, on that note, we talked about this a bit on the postcast, but how much do you look at the fact that they're using the same about four players? It looks like they're only having about four to five guys who are going to go out there in three-on-three. There's not much rotation. Are you expecting guys to get tired? Like, does DJ Smith think that overtime is going to end that quick? I mean, sometimes it does, but they lose the game with 20 seconds left in overtime. That's about as tired a group as I've seen. Yeah, there is some kind of concern there, but... When you have guys like Brady Kachuk, Alex Dabrinkit, Drake Batherson, Claude Giroux, Tim Stutzel, like you got to get those guys out there as often as you can. So I don't really have a problem with the forward deployment. But we were mentioning that Shabbat and Sanderson, they're the only guys out there. Again, those are your top two defensemen, so you want to get them out there. But I think it would have been decent to mix in a Branny shift just to give those guys a bit of a break because... Looking back at that overtime goal, Ross, I was looking at Sanderson, and you can tell he's a little bit tired. Even though that's not a full shift, I think it was only 39 seconds, something like that. So very normal NHL shift. But he just he loses that stick battle along the boards a little too easily, and then that's what ultimately leads to Sagan getting it all alone in front. So I think maybe you could insert Branny for a shift here and there, but 
ultimately these are these are small things that we're looking at that maybe wouldn't have even made that much of a difference. Eric Branstrom only played three and a half minutes in the third period, by the way. So wow. he, didn't play, he didn't play a whole lot in the third period while they were protecting what was a one goal lead for a lot of it before allowing that game tying goal, which I think Anton Forsberg probably wants that one back as well. But Jake Sanderson played a minute and 54 seconds in overtime on three shifts. And Thomas Shabbat played two minutes and 37 seconds. I think that averaging 52 seconds a shift in overtime is absolutely absurd. Yeah, and Thomas Shabbat, he's, he constantly seems like he gets stuck out there for long shifts. And I'm not sure if that's maybe just his mentality, like, oh, I'm fine, I've got the endurance for it, or... He ends up getting hemmed in his own zone or doesn't pick and choose the right times to make a change. But in overtime, you need to be playing under 45 seconds. Like, there can't be any shifts that are longer than that. Yeah, his last shift is 107. So that's that's something to watch for here as, as overtime continues throughout the season. The Senators are still 2-1 and one now. Um, or, sorry, 2-2 two and two now after two and two. Uh, extra frame. They got the loss against New Jersey and then a pair of wins earlier in the season, including the one last week in L.A. where Claude Giroux got that great pass from Tim Stutzla and went down. Love Claude Giroux taking the opening face off. He snaps it back, just like yep. we said in the summer. Get him in there, playing with Timmy and, and Chabot. But what did you see on that tying goal? Because obviously Ottawa goes up near the start of the third period. Travis Hamannick off a great passing play. Timmy over to Sanderson, over to Debrinkit, over in front of the net. And, uh, and Hamannick made no mistake. Hilarious that Timmy doesn't get an assist for that. But what'd you think of that goal by Niels Lundqvist that really kind of deflated, I'm sure, the bench and and maybe even the dad's suite, even though they've probably had a few Bud Lights at that point. Yeah, yeah, the dads looked like they were having a good time no matter what. But the thing is, Dallas, they did a good job. This is their second goal where they win the draw in the Ozone, Ross, and they don't mess around, really. They end up taking a quick shot from a defenseman. And the thing here is, I don't blame Forzy too much on this one because the there's so much weaving traffic in front of him. He can't even get really a read on the shot. And then it perfectly goes through all the players in front. So, sure, it's not the best goal. But I'm not blaming Forzy too much on that. The The backbreaker for me was the, the second Heiskanen goal where there's no excuse there. You need to have that one. So, I, I think that's just, a, that's just good hockey by the Stars. Winning the draw, getting a shot on net. It's unfortunate that's the one that ties it. But... I thought Forzy, this was an up-and-down game for him. A couple, like, none of those goals are really highlight real goals, but the two, the first and the third one, I don't mind that much. And then the overtime winner, there's absolutely nothing Forsberg can do there. But he battled back, and he made some really good saves. Like, I've got four or five notes of him making massive momentum-shifting uh, saves. Like, two-on-one up against Pavelski. Giryanov had a wide-open uh, chance where he just goes right through the middle and rips a wrister, and Forzy makes a nice save. Lungfist earlier had a great wrist shot. Forzy gets a glove on it. like, And then Lindell in overtime, similar to the second play. He's all alone in front. The Ottawa Senators' defense is already kind of going the other way, and he makes a big save there. So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad here, and... This loss, it's hard to get too up in arms about it, right? Like we, like we mentioned, Ross, we, we can only get so high emotionally and so low emotionally before we got to kind of put our emotions in check and in reality and just kind of find the middle way. For this game, I'm fine in the middle way. 
it's disappointing they got down to a uh, early 2 nothing deficit but it's positive that they were able to battle back disappointing they lose ultimately but positive they bring it all the way to overtime so it's one of those games right yeah, the third period, though, is pretty frustrating. I mean, the power plays were 3 nothing Ottawa, I believe, leading into that. Yes, it was. And then all of a sudden, not only do they get the Broussard penalty, which I think is is just, but after that one, Brady takes a penalty that I think was a little soft. On both of them, I think the players went down a little easy. I mean, Mason Marchman, that's a big boy going down pretty, yeah. pretty easy. And then I think it was Colin Miller, who Brady's just trying to reach around. Maybe a bit of a forearm shiver, but... Hey, shouldn't have been standing there. However, after the Senators take the lead in this game, they went almost 15 minutes without a shot on goal. That's not a recipe for success. Do you think that was a strategic, hey, let's park the bus, let's just chip and chase even more? Or do you think that was just kind of a natural reaction to, hey, how do we have a lead in this game? We were down 2 nothing six minutes in. I don't I, I'd like to say it was a game plan to play more defensively because that would at least be kind of a positive spin on not getting any shots, but no shots in 15 minutes. Like I don't, I don't care what the imbalance of opponents are there. That's just unacceptable. Like you, you need to find a way to create some sort of offense because the issue is sure. The Dallas stars had a hard time scoring during that stretch. They don't score till later on off that face off the lung fist play that we just chalked up, but you're not maintaining any ozone pressure and it's just it's so tiring being on your heels for 15 straight minutes just trying to hold 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 because you bend and eventually it's going to break there and it's those kind of plays Ross where it kind of seems like a nothing play just a routine defenseman shot but when everybody's so tired and uh things have just been building and building it's going to break eventually and that's what happens to the sends there an interesting game from the standpoint that five of the seven goals were scored by defensemen. Miro Haskinen had two. Thomas Shabbat, Travis Hamannick, Niels Lundqvist all find their way to the back of the net in this game. The other goal scorer for Ottawa, Derek Broussard, was assisted by Drake Batherson. Shabbat's goal assisted by Brady Kachuk and Matthew Joseph. And then Hamannick, I mentioned, to Brinkett and Sanderson. Speaking of Matthew Joseph, we're hoping for good news on him yeah. today. He left the game in the third period, did not return after playing only 10 minutes and 8 seconds in this overtime loss. Coming up, we're going to rejig expectations for this Ottawa Senators team. We knew that initially it was, hey, let's play some meaningful games late in the year. But what is a realistic expectation now for this team? And we'll figure that out. Um, we'll figure that out going forward because I think that it'll help with with limiting the highs and lows, Pilsy. I think it will, because there are still a lot of things to be excited about for this team, but there's also a fair level of disappointment. So what, how, if we can change that, that's what we'll try to do. But first, Pilsy, this episode is brought to you by... Speaking of highs and lows, Ross, there are a lot of highs and lows in the sports gambling world, but if you want consistent... And the best information, the best odds, you got to go to our friends over at Bet Online. They are the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network and for a good reason. They got all the latest odds, news, scores, updates, analysis, podcasts like this one you're listening to right now. BetOnline.net has it all and they'll get you set up for your game action. They don't just have hockey though. There's football. If you guys had any money on the Rams last night, a miracle 98-yard run 
uh, drive at the end by Baker Mayfield. That would have been electric if you had Rams money line. But there's also basketball wraps are in session here. The FIFA World Cup is getting very serious, heading down to the final. Every game is an elimination game. Now there's so much action to get in on, and you can do it at our friends with betonline.net. So go to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Guys, it's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, Pilsy. So the Ottawa Senators are on the ice for practice this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central in Nashville, Tennessee. Against the Preds team, it's kind of figured it out after a really poor start. They had five straight losses right after coming back from Europe. Hey, do you know anything about a team coming back from Europe and just playing absolutely awful? Yeah, I we do, Ross. Uh, the Matt Duchesne era came and went in two games. It, it feels like the whole era was decided in those games over in Sweden, ironically up against his former team in the Colorado Avalanche there. But yeah, those the Europe trips, If I know it's cool and it's a fun experience, but that should be limited to just exhibition and preseason games before the season because those teams that do that, you're basically banking on it's going to take you a couple weeks to get back to normal here and playing meaningful games in neutral sites, not even on this continent, is definitely a weird one. So Nashville had to bounce back from that. But they're still not looking like the team you would think they are on paper. Like, I thought that Ryan McDonough move was going to be huge, helping them kind of replace the defensive acumen that was left when Ryan Ellis left this team. Um, but McDonough's injured now, I think. And Nashville... They haven't really been able to to get a consistent stretch going. They just lost 5-2 up against the Tampa Bay Lightning previous game. And it seems like UC Soros, after having some Vesna caliber seasons, he's kind of come back down to earth here. Yes, he certainly has. Now, uh, when they came back from Europe, Pilsy, they went 1-6-1 uh, and one in their yeah. next eight games. So that's been tough. Uh, since then, they are 10-6-1. So certainly better, but that's that's going to hurt. When you're trying and, to come back from that. And remember when they were playing in Europe? It was like five days before the regular season even started here. It was just weird. Like, I remember we talked about it on the pod. We're like, the NHL is back. There's a game in Europe. And everyone's like, what? And it was huh? at like 2 p.m. Like, it was just it was just weird. That's that's all I'll say, I guess. It didn't, didn't really feel like it made a lot of sense. We'll get back to the Nashville Predators in this upcoming weekend, not only for the Ottawa Senators, but a big pair of games for Belleville. I'm going to be locked into those because after these two games in Laval, they're coming to Winnipeg next weekend. I'll be on the call with David Foote. We'll have some fun with that. But Pilsy, I want to talk about expectations for this Ottawa Senators team. A nice flashy title for today's episode, but rightfully so, because this is a team everyone had higher expectations for than what they're seeing right now. So the question is, how can you realistically change the expectations without kind of losing sight of the long-term goals of this organization and the long-term pieces that are already signed. Like how do you balance right now versus the future? It's hard Ross, because 
with with the Senators, like when we started this podcast back in 2017, that was when, yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago, eh? Um, that was when they were making their playoff run. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals. And at that time, Ross, it was pedal to the metal. Trade in a bunch of chips, push all your chips in, acquire Matt Duchesne. Finally, you've got your number one center here. Everything's looking good. And then ultimately, it's disappointment. But at that point, Ross, we were all in. It's contend for the cup or bust. There wasn't any confusion. Well, the confusion muddied the waters pretty quickly there. And then it was okay. It didn't work. We pushed it all in. Now we're taking it all back. Now we're we're tanking. We're getting draft picks. We're trading any player that has emotional or uh, any sort of value to these fans or value on the ice. We're getting rid of them and we're bringing in future assets. All right, tank, 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 tank. So those were our expectations. Now it's been years of that. Five years of doing that. So we got comfortable with that. But this year... The message was changed. We're spending money in the offseason. All those guys that we acquired in draft picks and prospects, they're here. They're ready for the NHL. Let's lock them up. Brady, uh, Brady Kachuk, locked up. Tim Stutzel, locked up. Josh Norris, locked up. But that's not enough. We're going to bring in more talent. We're going to trade a bunch of draft picks for Alex Dabrinkit. That's He's only got a one-year deal here, but we're confident that now's the time to bring him in. Claude Giroux, we need a veteran. Bring him in as a free agent. Sign him to a three-year deal. He wants to come home. We're doing that. And it just seemed like the Ottawa Senators are now shifting out of rebuild mode. So I think fairly, Ross, we put our expectations at, hey, obviously the excitement in the offseason, everybody's pumped, the vibes are high, every move seems like a win for Pierre Dorian. Hot, hot Pierre summer was a fun time. But... Claude Giroux said it best when reporters were kind of grinning and like suggesting him to be like, yeah, we're making the playoffs. We're going on a big run here. He was like, okay, guys, like this is a team that's finished in the basement of the season the last five years. It's exciting, but we got a lot of work to do. Like I don't have high expectations here. And so we followed along with that and we said, we're not going to put expectations too high. I don't think either of us, Ross, said this team will make the playoffs definitively or they have to make the playoffs or anything like that our main message was we need this team to be playing meaningful games down the stretch so at least feel like you're in it like you're battling for a wild card in march that each game up against division and conference rivals is important you need those two points that's where we set our bar which for me is kind of the lowest bar you can set heading out of a rebuild and now we're sitting here, it's mid-December, and we're already like, okay, you know that low bar we set? How much How much lower can we bring it? And that's hard for me to do, Ross. Uh, so sorry for that uh, rant. I feel like I just took over this segment, but I'll, I'll now step down and pass it over to you because I feel like you have a better idea of how to manage expectations here. Wow, don't put the pressure on me to actually say something smart. That's bad. <laughs> Good luck. Disappointment just like the Senator season has certainly been. And, and you can see the standings right now, which are embarrassing to pull up, honestly, um, th- this early 26 games in, like if you're management for this Ottawa Senators team, if, if you're the, the Melnick daughters right now, if you're Ann and, and Olivia right now, like what, what are you looking at this team and being like, Hey, the board of directors, all these people, they're, they're looking at this and saying, 
we were promised that it was going to be better. They're just like the fans, right? Yeah. At some point, it's got to come down on on management to figure it out, right? And and now this is where we get into a hairy situation where it's like, okay, is there no change because of the the ownership swap that's going to happen here? As the sale is seemingly heating up, Bruce Garriock reporting yesterday that when it comes to the entire LeBreton development of the arena and the team, it's going to be a $2 billion deal, potentially. And I looked it up. Seattle Kraken's new arena, Climate Pledge Arena, is $1.5 billion to build. They're not cheap building these state-of-the-art facilities. I, I think that was with the practice complex as well. But even still, that's a wild price. So anyways, that, that's another conversation with the whole ownership thing. And um, good news on that front, only good news on that front, especially now Gary Bettman saying, that Ryan Reynolds, he wants him to be a part of it no matter what. That was Bruce Garriott reporting yeah. it on question period. I guess he had some time between his boots on the ground photos, which we absolutely love to see uh, last night. But when it comes to expectations on this group, I, I think it's it's pathetic to say and it's sad to say, but you just got to circle a few games on the calendar now and be like, okay, this one is a must-win game. Not like we said at the start of the year where it was to stay in the hunt. No, we're not <laughs> sniffing around. We are yeah, at the no very bottom. around. There's no sniffing around to the playoffs. We don't want to sniff around, Ross, because it stinks down here. It, it's flu season. Everybody's stuffed up. You can't smell anything. That's where we're at right now. It's it's stuffy season. Like, look at that goal differential. The team there's multiple teams ahead of them that that have worse goal differentials. It, it just blows my mind. But next Wednesday is one of those must-win games, Pilsy. The Montreal Canadiens. Yep. First time playing them, and it's at home. That's that's a must-win game next week, but really, and a long-winded way of saying it too is just, I think that the expectation has to be win the rivalry games, and to quote DJ Smith, just battle in the other games. Like show them that you guys want to be here because again, the culture I think will be more or less decided when the new ownership comes in, right? Uh, it's kind of a cultural reset whenever a company is sold. So I, I'm curious to see how this all goes. Cause we, we had a great line from uh, Peter Houston last night. Who's a, a friend of both of ours. We watched yeah. him at uh good dude. Yeah. We watched, we watched the uh, home opener with him the, the end of it. And what he said last night, and it, it kind of, it, it sucks to, to hear this, but he's not wrong. He goes, I think losing culture is a bit of a cliche, but it's just a classic DJ move where he doesn't hold players accountable for playing poorly. Just shrugs and goes, Oh, well this isn't our night. Like it's always like, yeah, we battled hard. It just wasn't our night. And it's yeah. like, at what point are you going to grab the night by the throat and say, no, we're, we're taking this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's fair. But immediately when we bring that up is I look at a coach that does things differently in Sheldon Keefe and he calls his players out continuously in the media. And I don't like how that image looks. And I'm sure if you're the players, like, he got hard on Mitch Marner, on Austin Matthews, and that's got to be tough. But then, my God, look at the results. Mitch Marner is on one of the hottest streaks this league has ever seen. Austin Matthews nope. continues to light it up. No, nope, Mitch Marner's point streak hasn't reached the levels of Danny Heatley's yet. Next yeah, game. I, yeah I'm, just, I'm just saying it's up there. Like, you can't, you can't do much more than he's doing after Keith called him out and and this is kind of like, I hate Mitch Marner. So me praising him and pointing positives, this is painful for me to do here. So 
that's the thing. Like, I think DJ, who knows how he disciplines behind doors and in the in the dress room and stuff like that. So I don't know how that's going to work. But yeah, it, it's just this culture, you cannot go six straight years losing and having your captain, Brady Kachuk, this is his normal. Like, this can't be the new normal. No, and it's definitely not on him. It's just a matter of, like, I want to see Brady Kachuk play playoff hockey. Oh, my God, yeah. And when you look at, at the construction of how this is all built, like, at what point are they going to use those draft picks and prospects to get better? They used picks last year, but that was in one draft. Why not package some of these prospects up and actually make a change that's going to help this team? Maybe it's too late this year. Maybe they've already waited too long. I think it's too late. I think it's too late. Yeah, I don't think you do it this year because if Josh Norris was here and you truly, I know I keep bringing it up, but it's a massive thing. If Josh Norris was here and this team was where it is now, then you know you you got an issue here. But I truly believe with Josh Norris in this lineup, this whole team, yeah, there he is. This whole team looks a lot better and then you know what you have here. So I don't think a major move is coming. And like we mentioned, the sale of this team, uh, you're not going to make any major moves unless it's a desperation move to try to save your job if you're Pierre Dorian here. So unfortunately, I think we just got to sit tight and and hold on through this. And like you said, I'll, I'll hop along with you with expectations is there's three teams I'm circling. You need to be able to beat the Montreal Canadiens, the Buffalo Sabres, and the Detroit Red Wings. In almost every matchup. Like that, that needs to be your goal now because there's like there's the Sens are caught in the mushy middle here. They're not at a point where you can make a big trade and push for the playoffs. I think that's out of reach. Like just look at the standings, it's out of reach. They're They're nine nine points behind with six teams in between them. And most of those teams, actually all of the teams in the Atlantic Division are in their way. And this is a hard Atlantic division. So playoffs aren't an option. I don't think you're bad enough that tanking fully makes sense either, even though this is a big draft. So I don't care about playoffs and I don't care about the draft. So what do I care about here? All I care about is watching this team being able to beat teams that are supposed to be on their level. And we said it. I had Ottawa ahead of the Buffalo Sabres. Sure, the Sabres made some nice moves in the offseason, but nowhere near what the Ottawa Senators did. I had them ahead of the Montreal Canadiens. Again, low bar ahead of the only team to ever finish 32nd out of 32nd out of 32 teams. So that's a low bar they could hop over. And the tough one was the Red Wings because the Red Wings, I feel like they're right at on par with where the Senators are in their rebuild. But they're having a much better season. They're playing meaningful games. They're battling for a wild card spot right now. So those are the three teams. Any of those matchups you need to give your best effort because you need to show that you can compete with those teams in your division. And Ross, wouldn't you know it, the Ottawa Senators had their first game up against the Canadians coming up and three games up against the Detroit Red Wings this month. So big month for rivalry games here. I'm going to save my Alex DeBrinkett stat for when they play Detroit. Again, that's the home state team for him. Let's just say he plays very well against Detroit. Is that what the doctor orders? Or is it too little too late for a sniper that has six goals in 26 games? Brady Kachuk leads this team in scoring with 30 points in 26 games. Stutzla has 27 in 26. Giroux 23. 
Drake Bathurst and Alex Dabrinkit both tied with 21. Thomas Shabbat, despite missing five, is the top scorer among defensemen. He has 15 points in those 21 games. Jake Sanderson has 12 and 26. So the players who are all at the top of the scoring, and then Pinto is next after that, they're all the players who you want to see doing well for the future of this team. The future is still bright. I will stand by that. But it's just unfortunate it's being pushed back one year. Now, on the other side of it, uh, uh, some good news is that in that Players' Tribune video, Claude Giroux says he wants to play as long as possible. He wants his son Gavin and um, and his other child there to be able to to kind of see the NHL lifestyle, I think, a little bit more. Yeah. I think Gavin, the, the older of, of his kids, is three. So hopefully we get... Five more years of Claude Giroux. This guy looks like like he's no. I mean, he signed for for three this year and two more. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I and, would and Ross, the thing looking at these stats, like I would say, if you would have showed us this uh, stat chart at the start of the season, we would have been like, "This is awesome!" Like Brady's above a point per game. Timmy's at a point per game. Claude Giroux is looking, making you look like a genius that he's going to hit 77 points and get to 1,000 this season. Uh, Drake Batheson, sure, maybe we're not happy with that plus minus, but 21 points in 26 games, not bad. Dabrinkit, you need to score more than six goals. He's on pace for 20 goals this season, which is absolutely disheartening. But still, he's got 21 points. Like, if you would have shown us these numbers, we would have been like, okay, everybody's kind of performing where they we expect them to. But the results aren't there. And a one seven-game losing streak can totally derail your entire season. Like the, like the classic saying is, you can't make playoffs in November, but you can get bounced out of them in November. And we've seen that too many times. And that's what the Ottawa Senators have done to themselves. They've shot themselves in both feet, Ross. <laughs> like they shot themselves in the one foot and are like, well, what does that feel like if we do it on the other? Boom, the other one. And now they got no feet. And there's like there's like 60 games left in the year, and they got no feet here. Get this, though. In all but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In all but eight games. So in 18 out of 26 games, they win the shot battle. They have yeah, more yeah. shot attempts. They Their coursing percentage, well over 50%. Mm-hmm. In 18 out of 26 games. That was the big issue last year. They were just getting hemmed into their own end. Shot attempts were always in favor of the other team. But now they fixed that, and they're just finding new ways to lose. And that's why you have to ask bigger questions like we have. Let us know what your expectations are for this group going into the end of this season and beyond. And we're going to get back to a game day preview tomorrow, Saturday, in Nashville. Note the start time, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. All that's coming up. You're listening to Locked On Senators. It's your team every day. All right, Pilsy. Got a big birthday shout out to give for the weekend. Ooh. Hall of Famer. Daniel Alfredson turns turns 50 on Sunday. Nice milestone for the captain. Wow. That's that's huge for Daniel Alfredson, 50. Man. 50 50 years old. Unbelievable to think that he hasn't played in the NHL now for eight seasons. I know. It's sad. 
kind of nine, right? Yeah. We'll say we nine. We don't count that last one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, happy birthday to the captain. Hopefully he gets a nice Senators win on a Saturday afternoon to end his 40s off on a high note. Um, what do the Sens need to do to beat Nashville, Pills? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I, 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 Ross, here's what happened. Like, I said they need to win the face-off battle to get a win up against L.A., they won the face-off battle and lost. Okay, dash one, Pilsy. All right, let's change it up here. The Dallas Stars went 0 for 7 on the power play up against the Leafs, and the Leafs win 4 nothing. All right, that's a recipe for success. I said the Ottawa Senators penalty killing needs to be perfect if they're going to beat the Dallas Stars. It's perfect. They still lose. So <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how this team's going to win games, Ross. Just score more goals than the, than the National Predators. How about that? So the National Predators and Ottawa Senators are both 4-2-1 in, in their last seven games for each of them. So you're looking at a close matchup, maybe, if you're, if you're taking away a few wins that Nashville got right before that. Nashville had won three in a row. Ottawa had lost three in a row before that streak. But Nashville's also, in, those, in their last seven games, have gone to overtime or shootout four out of those seven games. And they're going to extra time against bad teams. And good teams, I guess, for both. Arizona in a shootout and Anaheim in overtime, Pilsy. Yikes. Couldn't be us. I mean, their other overtime games are against New Jersey and Tampa, so. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Uh, Matt Duchesne is a player to watch on the Nashville Predators. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. He's Mm -hmm. second in scoring on the Predators. But get this. Only six goals in 24 games. Does that sound familiar at all? Yeah, Alex Dabrinka territory right there. Sheesh. Yep. Uh, so Matthew Shane's there. Roman Yossi's always a guy you have to know when he's on the ice. He is um, electric. Obviously not on that near 100-point pace like he was last year. At 32 years old, this is an interesting Predators team, right? A lot of their talent is 30 years old or more. So what do they do going forward, right? They, they even added a 33-year-old Ryan McDonough. So I look at this team, right? Matthias Ekholm's 32, Johansson's 30, same with Granlin. Like, this seems like their window is right now, and they're kind of closing the blinds on it. It seems like they're kind of allowing things to settle down. Now, the good news is the Central Division, beyond the top two teams, there's a pretty big gap after Winnipeg and Dallas. So could they sneak in? Like, Minnesota has 28 points right now, and they're third in the division. That wouldn't even be in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, and they're in a divisional playoff spot right now. Yeah, it's almost like the Western and Eastern Conferences have kind of flipped, right? Like the last couple of years, the Eastern Conference was that way because there were so many terrible teams at the bottom that if you were a good team, you were just feasting on all these terrible teams. And that's what it was like in the East when Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa were just easy points for these playoff teams, but... That has totally flipped a script here. and But don't make uh, any kind of mistakes, though. This Nashville team is still a really deep team and still a good team on paper. It's just I think we're starting to realize how much they relied on UC Soros being a good goalie because right now his numbers are very similar to Anton Forsberg. 305 goals against and a 905 save percentage. I know, Ross, that the Ottawa Senators have been getting backup goalies, but this might be a situation where you don't want that. Because Kevin Lankinen is having a really nice season. Uh, six games, three wins, 
2.27 goals against and a 9.34 save percentage for Lankinen. So we do not want the backup in this case. And UC Saros is one of those guys, Ross. Um, he's a short goalie and in today's age you don't see that that often i'm just looking up his uh his dimensions 511 i've got it right here pills yeah there are three goalies in the nhl who are listed under six feet tall and no i'm not going to challenge you to guess because i think that would be unfair um but what if i told you as i changed my mind what if i told you (laughs) that the ottawa senators have already lost to a goalie under six feet tall this season wedgwood no. No, and they beat Wedgwood. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. No, don't know. We're not doing Yaroslav, this. Yaroslav Halak is... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He is a bit of a smaller guy. Yeah. Yeah, and then Alex Daylock in Chicago is the only other goalie under six feet tall in the National Hockey League. Aaron Dell is next at six feet, but man, with the with the moves he thinks he can pull, that guy might as well be four foot five walking around out there. Small man. Small man, that, that guy... For, for what he did to Drake Batherson. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But this this Nashville team, it's unfortunate we won't get to see Boro. I think it would be even yeah. worse if he was in Ottawa. Obviously, he he loves Ottawa. He's he's like the Claude Giroux of, of selling Ottawa to uh, to the masses. But uh, we hope that Boro's getting better. It was a scary collision earlier this year where uh, he was he, I think he was stretchered off the ice. Was he not? Uh, I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. And that's especially tough. He's got a family and uh, young kids, so you don't want to see him have any injuries that kind of impact his day-to-day life. So that was yeah. scary, and we're hoping he's feeling better. He was uh, he was stretchy. He was yeah. hit awkwardly into the boards. Uh, no major injury, but they're obviously taking it slow and steady. He's got another kid on the way, too. So, um, yeah, you definitely don't want to see any uh, potential putting him in harm's way, especially with the way he's played his career. Like, that guy has gone. Oh, yeah. There's no... There's no second or third or fourth gear with with Boro. He goes from zero to a hundred, and that's the only way he knows how to play. A heat-seeking missile, I think, <laughs> is a good way to describe Boro when he's out on the ice in the NHL. Who's a guy highlight a senator, a locked-on player for this Saturday's game who you think needs to come up big if the Senators are going to win? I mean, a lot. Like like I mentioned, the Nashville Predators relying on UC Saros to give them wins. I think the Ottawa Senators did a similar thing when they uh, traded for Alex Debrinkat. Like, you're relying on this guy. Like, he doesn't have to score 45 goals with the Sens, but he's got to be on a better pace than 20 goals projected. He only has six goals this year. And, Ross, I know we're still propping our argument up by saying, well, he's still getting points. He's he's making a couple good defensive moves, etc. But what really concerned me last night is he was on a two-on-one, and I forget who was on the other side. Alex Debrinkit, a 40-plus goal scorer multiple times, he didn't even think about shooting that puck. Like, his body language was 100% pass. He didn't even look at the goalie. He was fully faced over to make that pass, and I think it was with Pinner, and he still forced the pass late. Like, that is wild to me that that's how much of a slump he is in his mind. Like, if I'm Alex Debrinkit and I have that shot... I don't even think pass. I'm like, it could be Wayne Gretzky over on that other side, and I'm ripping this puck because I've got a lethal shot. So the fact that in his mind, he's so kind of down in the dumps that he's like, I can't even get a good shot on a two-on-one. I'll try to force a pass, and hopefully that works. 
that's concerning for me. So Alex Dabrinka is going to be my lockdown player, especially playing in Chicago. This is a guy that he's seen a lot of time up against the Nashville Predators. Hopefully that helps. I just pulled up my notes from last night's game because I literally have it. Don't you want Dabrinka to shoot that? Yeah, or at least think about shooting it. Like there was no, there was shooting was not an option at that point for Dabrinka, which is, that's concerning. Well, Alex DeBrinkett's played the Nashville Predators 22 times, almost as many as any other team in the league. Only Dallas, ironically, last wow. night's opponent is more. He's played Dallas 24 times, and in those 22 games, he has eight goals, five assists, 13 points, dash five, 63 mm. shots on goal. So um, not the best versus any team that he's played against, but... Again, he needs to get going one way or one way or the other. They've got to get this kid going, and and hopefully, I mean, Josh Norris skated the last couple of days. Hopefully, it's not too long. But again, there's no timetable on Josh Norris's return. But um, man, Norris was on uh, coming in hot the other day, and he's like, "Yeah, the first time I met the Brinkett, he asked me to go skate with him, and uh, I thought it was going to be a bunch of guys. It was literally just the two of them and a goalie out on the ice." And Norris smiles. He goes, "It was a bad day to be that goalie." Yeah, um, no kidding. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, if if and when he comes back, those two can get some chemistry. And because um, you're also trying to entice to bring it to stay and re-sign at a cap hit lower than his qualifying offer, that's nine million dollars. And the way you do that is you give him years and term and say, okay, like Kotkaniemi was going to get a qualifying offer of like four or five, and they're like, hey, why don't we give you less? But here's eight years, right? So it just because his qualifying number is nine doesn't mean that his contract is guaranteed to be nine. Only if it's a one-year deal. But if I'm Alex Dabrinkit, I don't think I'm signing on long-term here. Yeah. I think you just you just eat the last year where you have no no leverage, take the big qualifying offer, and then see what you got from there. Because yeah. I don't like right now his play isn't converting into more than a nine million dollar player. That's for sure. So he's got that in his bag where. That's a starting point for him. So this is going to be very interesting. Remember months ago when Kevin Weeks said um, contract discussions between Dabrinkit and the Sens are heating up? Yeah, I think that's gotten cold. Yeah, one last note from last night's game I want to get to. And Brian Compton pointed this out. I didn't even notice it. After Travis Hamnick scored the go-ahead goal in the third period, he did the sign of the cross on the bench. And this isn't anything religious, but he he uh, he lost his dad when he was ten years old. So I'm sure the father's trip is uh, is pretty emotional yeah, and tough for him. So I uh, just wanted to say we're thinking about Travis Hamnick, who was one of my Sen Central standouts last night. You can catch up on the postcast wherever you get your podcast. All right, Pilsy, quick thought on the Belleville Senators tonight as they play Laval back to back games. These two teams are real close with each other yep. in the AHL North Division standings. Where are you at with the uh, with the Belleville sense, is there a player that you're going to be extra closely looking at this uh, this weekend who might get a call up? I, I think the Belleville centers are in a great spot. And the reason I say that normally I would have higher hopes for them, but they are so injury riddled for them to be able to kind of keep this ship afloat and re be right around 500 and be in a spot where they're only within a few points of getting back into playoff position is pretty good for them. Um, I, I know Igor Sokolov's the guy we've been highlighting here, but I wouldn't mind, and uh, the decor hasn't been terrible for the Sens, I wouldn't mind giving Lassie Thompson another chance here. Like, how, how do you how do you feel about that? I feel like 
he deserved a little bit more of, of a chance. And like we mentioned, this is a year where you're not fully going for the playoffs because they are out of reach and you're not fully tanking. So why not see what you got here? And usually this is not my approach, but I'm at a point now where if I'm the Ottawa Senators, let's see the value of everything you got here. And I want to see Lassie Thompson. Is he ready for the NHL or does he need more seasoning? Yeah, well, I think that this extra seasoning has only helped him right now. I mean, he's got a three-game point streak going right now. Uh, yeah. three in three in his last three games, he's got eight shots on goal. So he's definitely being the guy down there. And that's all you can ask for. So I wouldn't mind seeing him called up. But yeah, like JVD, I think was ahead of him in training camp. I yep. think he had better, but he's injured right now. So what are you going to do? I wouldn't mind that. He, he'd probably be my guy. But again, I would like a roster freeze on Belleville. Only additions for the next week. And then after they play in Manitoba, selfishly, mm-hmm. uh, then they can call them up. I'm hoping Ridley's back. I'm hoping Roby's back. Like they've got some 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 high picks who are out of the lineup, and it's unfortunate. But I'm excited to see Victor Lodine live and in person. We'll get a full preview. We'll get footy on maybe right before uh, next. Yeah, weekend. let's do that and get like kind of a, a quarter season update on the Belleville Senators. All right, Pilsy, yep. any final thoughts as we head into the weekend? Tomorrow is not a must-win game, but it's a gotta-win game for the dads. Like, you can't bring all the dads along for three games and lose all three of them. You, Those are long car rides home for those guys, if that's what's happening. So, tomorrow's game labeled gotta-win game. Gotta win. Yeah, for the dads. For the dads. For the dads. <laughs> for more, you can follow the show on Twitter at Send Central. We're almost on our way to 10 thousand followers on there we're fired up for that locked on dot senators on instagram and check out the giveaway the giveaway will be announced the winner next wednesday we are giving away a christmas dinner for four thanks to our friends at farm to fork we really appreciate all our great sponsors on this show from farm to fork to shawarma palace by the way i need to pull it up right here on the way back bretsky who's always in the postcast You're going to make me hungry here, Ross. Oh, Bretsky had his first ever shawarma last night. The Shawarma Palace. You absolutely love to see it. Thank you, Bretsky, for using Shawarma Palace. And really, the only thing that sucks is you're never going to be able to eat shawarma anywhere else. I know, Ross, I was thinking, like, that's one of those things where, you know, like after you watch a great movie or or finish a great video game or something, and you're like, oh, man, if I could go back and and understand how it feels like to experience this for the first time if i could go back and understand what it's like to experience shawarma palace for the first time again i would love to do that it's beautiful speaking (laughs) of beautiful my final thought is tyler boucher back on the score sheet ninth goal of the season ripping pucks from the outside of the face-off circle beats the windsor spitfires goalie clean right in front of dj smith's son so you know dj was probably (laughs) watching that one the spitfires and 67s battling last night all right pilsy have a great weekend have a great weekend everyone thank you for yep. making us your first listen each and every day and shout out to the glebe central pub for being a part of it as well with the postcast sponsorship speaking of that next time you'll hear from us is after tomorrow's game so probably around what 4 30 5 p.m eastern on saturday and then you can find it in your podcast feed afterwards for today we say goodbye for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan and this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.